Jimmy Fallon is a dancing billboard for COVID propaganda. Joe Biden visits the Salvation Army and AOC blames gas stoves for brain damage. It's time for my losers of the week. Since day one of two weeks to flatten the curb, liberals have been COVID fear porn nymphomaniacs. They love everything about COVID hysteria, especially Hollywood liberals, from preaching safer at home from the comfort of their mansions, remote learning for your peasant kids as theirs had private tutors, and of course, their beloved masks and their even more beloved vaccines. It's an unhealthy obsession that for some has lasted longer than even COVID itself. Ladies and gentlemen, allow me to introduce Jimmy Fallon performing the variant song. Then Delta, then Omicron next. But this latest variant might be the best. It's XBB.1.5. Another friend of COVID 19 has arrived. It's a new strain, but it isn't the same. Sounds more like Elon Musk's kid's name. It's XBB.1.5. So there's cringeworthy, and then there's that, which is even worse. But speaking of cringe, this list of losers wouldn't live up to its name if it didn't feature the patriarch, the grandfather, the elder loser himself, Joe Biden. And here we have those the Salvation Army, who also so I'm not really sure what happened there. I'm not sure if Joe was confused as to who he was meeting, mistaking the man for a Secret Service agent, or if he just wanted to let the guy from the Salvation Army know he's met the Secret Service, who is tasked with following him literally everywhere. I'm just really not sure, but it sure is something. But not only is Joe awfully confused, he's also one big sleepy hypocrite. Because there can no longer be any question, none, in today's interconnected world, we cannot wall ourselves off from shared problems. We are stronger and better when we work together. We cannot wall ourselves off to protect our border or our national security, but we sure as hell can fork over half a million bucks to build a wall around Joe's Delaware Beach House. Isn't that just dandy, folks? But speaking of brain damage, a lot of Democrats beyond Joe suffer from it, but this week the former bartender taught us gas stoves are to blame. No, really. Now look, as much as I would like to dog on AOC for this, I really can't because if there is one person who knows a thing or two about brain damage, it is most certainly Miss Ocasio-Cortez. If a gas stove is what did that to her, shoot, I'll go electric or unicorn dust or whatever these green hairs prefer now to save my brain from whatever damages hers, you betcha I will. Those are my losers of the week. God bless them. But still ahead, is it time to not only defund those 87,000 IRS agents, but also abolish the IRS itself? Carol Roth joins me with her thoughts next. Abolish the IRS. If you're a conservative, that sounds like a dream. If you're a Democrat, it's likely your worst nightmare. But up until this new freedom-loving House Republican majority, however slim it may be, that notion seemed like just a sweet, sweet fantasy. But lo and behold, it's real. It's called the Fair Tax Act, and it would, in theory, reel in the IRS and remove the national income tax and other taxes and replace them with a single consumption tax. Of course, Biden and Democrats are adamantly opposed, billing it as a tax hike for the middle class, which is very gaslighty considering their blatant affinity for tax hikes on the middle class. 
So joining me now with her take is economic expert, Carol Roth. Carol, it's great to have you. I follow you on Twitter and I love all of your advice and your guidance, especially when it comes to the economy. And boy, have you been busy for the last couple of years. <laughs> it's true. I hate to be the constant bearer of bad news because I'm usually a fairly jolly person, Tommy. But the Biden administration and Congress has made it very, very difficult on me to have anything positive to say about anything economic that affects everybody's personal wealth. I want to start off with that Fair Tax Act, abolish the IRS. Now, this has been floated several times. It's never come to fruition. You know, it sounds like a very radical agenda item to have for Republicans. But in theory, would this actually be better for the majority of Americans? Are you in favor of something like this? So, I mean, I, I like the spirit of it, but the idea that you're going to then create a consumption tax, which is going to put the burden on millions, tens of millions of small businesses to now try to have to account for that accounting um, of additional taxes doesn't really make a lot of sense. Here's my proposal. Just send us a bill. You know what we make. You know, you know what you're spending. Send us a bill. Send us an itemized bill like every other time we consume any sort of products and services, then we can actually look and go, okay, I'm paying this much for the military. I'm paying this much for, you know, studies about shrimp walking on treadmill. And maybe people would start to pay attention and go, you know, this doesn't seem so necessary. So I take issue um, with the amount of spending. I take issue with the fact that I have to guess on how much I pay the IRS and then get penalized if I guess wrong. Um, but I don't think that the consumption tasks is really the right way to go. Yeah, you know, a lot of conservatives, Senator Ted Cruz being one of them, has often really advocated for just a flat tax on everybody, which is, you know, similar to a consumption tax. But it feels like it's a lot more fairer. At least it feels like it doesn't punish people for excelling and doing well and stimulating the economy. But am I getting that wrong? Would the notion of just like a flat tax on everybody, would that maybe be more beneficial and the economics of that be more helpful and spread out the wealth as the Democrats love to do in a better and more efficient way? I mean, I think the bigger issue comes down to the spending. I mean, they, they can choose to bill us any way that they want and extract those fees in any way they want. But if they don't stop the spending, then it's sort of irrelevant. Additionally, you know, they don't have the taxes that they collect to pay for that spending. So that means they have to issue debt. Um, you know, if they're not enough buyers of the debt, we're buying our own debt. They are devaluing the dollar. They're creating inflation. They're putting away the purchasing power of the dollar, you know, for, on an individual level. So I take much more issue at this point with the spending than the mechanism. I do think that the mechanism is insane and needs to be rejiggered. And I agree, something like a flat tax, I think, would make a lot more sense than a consumption tax or the litany of hoops that we have to jump through here. But if we don't get some reining in of the spending, then you know we're kind of focusing on the sideshow instead of the, the center stage of the circus. Absolutely. So, Carol, you tweeted about something the other day that I am not super familiar with, but I think it's it's concerning. And from what you said, I should be concerned about it. Americans should be concerned about it. It's called ESG. I don't really know what it is. Can you please explain for those of us that are unaware? Yes. Yeah, so this is environmental, social and corporate governance. If the way that everybody should think about it is sort of business social credit, a bunch of elite getting together and finding out a way that they can dictate to businesses 
uh, what they should do based on the whims of the elite. Now, Tommy, I cannot tell you exactly what the criteria for ESG is, because as you can imagine, it changes based on the whims of what elite wants. And the challenge is that this has seeped in to the financial sector and the allocators of capital. It started with the biggest um, aggregate uh, fund with assets under management, BlackRock, which at one point had up to about $10 trillion in assets under management, and it is now um, infiltrated into publicly traded companies and the biggest companies in the United States. And this has been a huge issue for why things like fossil fuels have not been funded, because funding has been directed away because they are, quote unquote, not ESG friendly. So instead of um, you know companies now doing what is in the best interest of their shareholders, they're saying, oh, we have to consider all stakeholders, which is a joke. You know, some random person off the street that doesn't interact with your company is not a stakeholder. So this is a big issue. The Biden administration's Department um, of Labor put in a, excuse me, the, the, one of their economic departments put in a rule now that lets pension fund managers basically, instead of saying we have to invest on the best interests of the people we are investing on behalf as a fiduciary, you can now invest based on these loose ESG criteria. So if you want to say, oh, well, we're doing it for the good of the planet, it doesn't have to be as, you know, for the good of you as an investor. So this not only uh, impacts your personal wealth, but really can reshape the company and or the country and freedom. And it is something that everybody needs to pay more attention to. Well, it sounds like very simply put woke capitalism. And it sounds like when these big companies, of course, they have their pride flags on everything the entire month of June, or they put black squares up for BLM, or of course, the ongoing religion of climate change, all of that, uh, not what we need right now, especially given our current economic state. That's what I want to ask you about next. You said it's not looking, or not looking great, it's looking more grim than ever. Are we going to plunge into a recession, even though we were technically there months back? Are we going to head into a depression? What is going to happen based on your forecast in the next six months to a year with this economy? Yes, well, we certainly could see that double dip recession. We were in one, we came out of it technically, we could go back into it. But what I'm more concerned about is a personal recession. Consumer spending makes up about 70% of the economy. So the consumer is going to determine in large part whether or not we go into recession. The challenge from a consumer standpoint, as I'm looking at, is consumers are continuing to spend to try to keep up with all of this inflation. So as inflation has been eating away, way at their dollars, instead of trying to pull back some or make some swaps, they are keeping pace with that. And they're doing that by eating into their savings. They're doing that by taking on more debt. And so that is affecting their personal wealth. So I am really concerned about this concept of a personal recession, that because people still have jobs and they may feel wealthier if they own a home because their home value has increased over the past several years, that they may continue to eat away at their personal balance sheets to try to keep pace with the spending. And I don't want to see that happen. I don't want people to be personally impacted. You have to preserve your long-term wealth. And so I think that is a bigger risk that I'm concerned about than at the overall economy going into a recession. What that also sounds like is people spending beyond their means because they have no idea what a budget is or no idea how to live within their means because the, Dem or the, the Democrats certainly do not as it relates to our government. 
But that's the last thing I want to ask you about, because there has been this trend, especially among young people. It's called quiet quitting. And right now, quiet quitting is okay, and it works for young people because employers need bodies. They need warm bodies. I mean, if you barely have a pulse, you can have a job right now. And in fact, not only can you have a job, they'll probably pay you way more than you're worth just to keep your warm body in whatever location you need to be in to keep that business barely <laughs> afloat. But I wonder, Carol, what is going to happen when things turn around a little bit and people are not so comfortable? They're not able to demand three months of vacation. They're unable to demand these high salaries and the work from home in my pajamas and everything else that they're able to demand now. What is going to happen when this quiet quitting really comes home to roost? I love the name quiet quitting, Tommy, because they've just rebranded mediocrity. Mediocrity has been around since the beginning of time. Now it has a cute name for it, right? Here's the bigger issue that we have. We have this massive supply and demand imbalance in the labor market. We have about 1.7 jobs open for every job seeker. And given the number of retirees, given some immigration policy, given the generous benefits um, that on some of these states and you know have been giving away the reality is i don't know even if employers get a little bit more leverage how much more leverage they're going to get. Certainly, they may require people to come back to the office. Um, but in terms of you know getting these stellar employees and all of a sudden turning the tenor of mediocrity around, I don't know that that's going to happen. I think this is going to be a long-term drag on the workforce. And you know the, the craziest thing, is that if you know somebody who's looking for a job, like your competitive advantage right now is just giving a damn. That becomes a competitive ad advantage because there are so few people who actually care about what they're doing today. It's really unfortunate. It's going to be a long-term drag on the economy. It's unfortunate. And I actually read something the other day that said, don't, it doesn't matter what the unemployment rate is. I mean, we always look at that metric as kind of a barometer of the economy, but this person said that really doesn't matter. What you need to look at is the fact that there are able-bodied men and women that are in their prime that are choosing not to work. That is the metric we need to look at. And that is what is really problematic for me when I look at it. There are people out there that are like, you know what, this whole working thing, it's not for me. And I don't know what's going to change that, but I'm really fearful that when people are out there at some point scrounging for jobs, then it's going to be a whole different story and it's going to be horrible for our economy. You can't just teach someone how to give a damn, as you said, overnight. It's something that is built up. It is something that you're conditioned to be. And we're not conditioning young people to be that at all right now. So in conclusion, what would your message be to those young people out there that are weighing the benefits and the risks of being a quiet quitter or quite frankly not giving a damn because they can get away with it? Yeah, amen to you. And if you're out there, I mean, you can really give a, differentiate yourself. The reality is that your life is about purpose. It's about looking at what you do as your art and your contribution to the world. You, know, It's only work if you make it work. But if you're going to do something, do it well, be proud of it, have goals, put yourself in a great position. And like we talked about, if you give a damn, you're going to be like at the top of pretty much everything. Everybody who's going to be working out there, you're going to be a highly sought after individual.
if you give a damn, but if you are a white Christian conservative male, you're probably still screwed, no matter how hard you work. But we'll just leave it at that. Carol, thank you so much. Entrepreneurship, capitalism. Uh, someday it's going to change. I just know it. The pendulum is going to swing. But thank you so much. I follow you on Twitter, and I really enjoy your commentary. And thank you for being with me today. I hope to have you back soon. Thanks for having me. Coming up, he's one of my favorite congressmen, and when it comes to incoming attacks from the liberal racist mob, he's no easy prey because guess what? He fights right back. Congressman Byron Donalds joins me next. No, that Social Security is going to be insolvent in 2035. It is not going to be. That yes, is not true. That, that is, is actually, actually not true. No, it's say. actually not now, true. Joy, it's actually I'm a not true. Professional. It's actually not true. But it's actually not true. The financial community. I That's actually you. not true. But what I think also is going on, no matter what the truth of it is, Whoopi, they will spin it, Bubblehead and Marjorie Taylor and that crowd, Matt Gates. You think they're not going to spin this that is just as bad as Trump? And so the, the lie gets out there. People believe it, just like that Donaldson person, whatever his name is. Byron. What's his name? Byron. Byron, Don Byron Donalds. Mm. I saw him also. He was at the uh, the fight on the floor too, yeah. wasn't he? He was nominated for speaker a number. Yes. He fought by two people. Yeah. They, He's uh, the new darling. Of the Fifteen rounds. But, I mean, what I'm just saying is that the Oh, my next guest is and always will be a thorn in the side of the leftists, the liberals, the green hairs with nothing better to do than attack a successful black Republican with a backbone and an affinity for freedom. But if you think that'll stop him, you don't know Congressman Byron Donalds, who joins me now. Congressman, I have to start out with that clip with Joy Behar because I'm sure that you've seen it. I mean, she doesn't get your name right. She proceeds to then attack you even though she clearly doesn't even know who you are. When you saw that, what was your first reaction? Actually, this is the first time I saw it. I haven't seen it. Been a little busy. Um, not really concerned about Joy Behar. Although I will tell the ladies at The View, just give me time. I would love to come on and set the record straight and help them out. But that being said, um, what I've always found is that, you know, for black conservatives, we always get attacked this way because we're narrative busters. We actually believe in the principles of economic liberty, political liberty, religious liberty. We've seen that the tide of history, how that only empowers people. We don't believe in a, in a growing government, in a massive government. We believe in one that does its job and does no more. And so when you push back on that, you know, as a black man in America, there's a lot of people on the Democrat side of the aisle that get upset because the truth is Democrats can't win elections without black voters. So um, I am, you know, a problem for them. And so many of my colleagues who are conservative and also black were a problem for them. So that's why they get this upset when one of us decides to step up and lead. I would love to see you on The View, by the way. Take it from someone who has been on The View and has sat next to Joy Behar on one occasion. I would absolutely love to see you. I'm going to put that into the universe because I would love to watch you demolish them, but with such class and such grace as you always do. I also got to say, Congressman, I give you a ton of credit because there are not a lot of Republicans that are willing to walk into the lion's den as you do consistently and repeatedly. And you're right, you are busting the narrative, whether those individuals, those hosts, those networks respect you or not. You are gaining respect of a lot of their viewers, whether they want to admit it or not. It's a slow process of wearing away that liberalism disease, and you're doing it. But, Congressman, I want to turn now to some of the things going on, because you guys have had a busy couple of weeks, but especially this week, because you guys are hitting the floor running, so to speak. Now, I want to talk first about what happened last night, because I saw you tweeting about it. But the Democrats, when you guys put up you know, the bill to make sure that, that infants that survived abortion would be given care, the Democrats were adamantly opposed to that. Now, even for someone who is pro-choice, that seems incredibly extreme to me. 
I think I totally agree with you. And it's important for the American people to see this. Listen, abortion is the most personal, uh, gut-wrenching decision that any woman makes. It's a hard decision. Everybody acknowledges that. But if there is a child that is born, that child should be protected. I don't even know why that's partisan. That's just common sense. And so for the Democrats to decide to put their foot in the ground and be opposed to giving a child born uh, health care uh, to make sure that they have the ability to survive and live, I find to be outrageous. But it's also indicative of, frankly, how nasty the politics of abortion has become. Certainly. And, you know, the pro-life side gets a lot of grief for being radical, for for not believing in common sense and being too, I guess, too ideologically stiff in their beliefs. But when you look at the radicalism on that side, I mean, that's far worse, in my opinion. I'm somebody who goes a little bit more on the pro-choice side of that issue. Next thing I want to talk to you about, though, because I'm, I'm very, very intrigued by it, is Matt Gates and what he said about those January 6th tapes, those 14,000 hours that he wants to release for us to really be able to see what happened on January 6th. What do you think the American people are going to find out from all that? Look, first of all, I agree with my colleague. They should be released. It shouldn't be a thing where this information is just held and, and frankly, just released for political purposes, because that's what the January 6th committee did. They were releasing that stuff for political purposes. They were not using it to investigate. They were not using it to hold people accountable. Uh, to be frank, I don't know what we'll see, but I think that transparency is the best thing overall. So it should be released, especially when you know the Democrats were using it to fill their own political narratives that they wanted to create. And I just think that's wrong. Oh, it certainly is. And I think that there are a lot of people that are going to be vindicated when the truth really does come out about January 6th. It was a horrible day for everybody involved. But the way that it's been spun and the way that's been weaponized and used has been entirely unfair to conservatives at large, especially conservatives that were not anywhere near the Capitol on that day who were still mm. blamed for what happened. So I'm very interested in what we're going to see there. But correct me if I'm wrong, this first couple of weeks, it seems like there's been a lot of oversight happening on your side with House Republicans. A lot of investigations you guys are teeing up. One of the ones that I think is so interesting is the weaponization of the federal government, the DOJ, the FBI. What do you think you guys are going to be able to do to hold those institutions accountable? Are you going to be able to really drain that swamp, something we talk about but is yet to be done? Um, I believe so, but I also don't want to do what the Democrats have done. They've always I had this this uh, this way, this working uh, pattern where they pick a target and then they do everything they can to fulfill the narrative that they started out with. What we want to be able to do is do the investigative work to really dig down deep and see where the problems are. Once we figure those problems out, then we will come out with a set of what the remedies or solutions need to be or consequences need to be. But I don't want to start there first because it may not be the entire FBI or the entire Department of Justice or, frankly, even the entire White House. It might be elements within uh, each office and each agency. And so that's why we want to be very deliberate in this process. We don't want to jump to conclusions. We want to let the we want the evidence to lead um, and let the evidence speak for itself. And then based upon what we see and what we find, then the necessary remedies will come from that. 
Well, that's fantastic because the American people really are looking at this slim House majority, wondering what you guys are going to do to make their daily lives better. And whereas we all want investigations, we all want accountability, we also want something to be done to better the lives of the American people, even if that is just standing in the way of what the left has been doing for the last couple of years. But speaking of that, I want to get your top line thoughts. You know, found classified documents from Joe's tenure as vice president in a closet, now in a garage. What, if anything, can you guys do to, to maybe look into that a little bit? There was a lot made about the classified documents that Donald Trump supposedly had at Mar-a-Lago, you know, shuffling through Melania's underwear drawer looking for things. Do you think that there's a possibility that anyone's going to shuffle through Jill Biden's underwear drawer anytime soon? Uh, that seems to be highly doubtful. Um, actually, what just came out is that Merrick Garland has now announced a special counsel. So now there's going to be a special counsel that's going to investigate this. Uh, but look, my questions are very clear. Number one, how did the vice president of the United States acquire these classified documents? And why were they stored in two different locations? That's number one. Number two, what took the National Archives so long to realize that these documents were missing? I mean, we're talking about six years later. What took them so long? Number three, how come this was hidden from the American people? Because I remember the second the story came out that there were documents at Mar-a-Lago, it was wall-to-wall -wall coverage for two months. The FBI was sent in to raid the place as if Donald Trump was Tony Montana. So I want to understand, like, what's going on? And how come we have a, essentially a two-tier justice system depending on your political party? I think that part is the one that's, that's even more concerning than the other two. And it's important for the American people to understand this. There is only one set of citizens who have the ability to declassify documents. Those are presidents of the United States. Joe Biden may be president today. But when he came in possession of these documents, he was not a president of the United States. So this is, in my interpretation, in some respects, the same violation of the Espionage Act as it was when Hillary Clinton had documents on a secret server that nobody knew about. And then, oh, by the way, she used bleach, ble bleach bit to clean them. So this is the issues that needs to get addressed. I'm actually happy a special counsel has been announced, but the House of Representatives is going to have to get into this as well. Yeah, because I fear that it's all going to be smoke and mirrors in a dog and pony show. They've been investigating Hunter Biden for how many years now? And we still aren't to the bottom of that. So thank you for everything that you guys are doing. You know, last week was incredibly frustrating for a lot of us conservatives, given everything that was going on with that speaker race. And I was very happy to see your name thrown out. And I hope that someday that uh, gavel is yours or even something bigger. But thank you for everything you guys have done this week, restoring our faith and confidence in what you guys are doing and why we sent you there. And thank you, as always, for spending so much time with me. And I hope to see you on The View very, very soon. <laughs> Listen, anytime. Thanks, Tommy. And hey, ladies at The View. The offers out there, except. Oh, I love to see it. Thank you so much, Congressman. Still ahead, uh, the Hollywood liberals want you to stop causing weather with your fossil fuels so their Montecito mansions can be spared by angry Mother Nature. My final thoughts are next. The liberals want you to power your life via pixie dust so their Montecito mansions can be spared from weather events. Sounds about right, or should I say left? It's time for final thoughts. Well, folks, weather is occurring in California, and the liberals are pretty ticked off about it, and they blame you and I for our affinity for reliable energy sources like fossil fuels. Montecito is under complete evacuation. The entire town, this is a five-year 
Mother Nature is very angry, Ellen, but not because of fossil fuels and climate change. More like liberals like you who push 65 gender options and freelance biology in the form of transgenderism. You'll also note that these elite celebrities like Ellen, Prince Harry, Meghan Markle, and Oprah, who live in one of the most expensive zip codes in the freaking world, Montecito, California, are not willing to downsize their energy-sucking mega mansions or fly commercial to save mother, sorry, birthing person Earth but they are willing to eliminate entire job sectors and the hardworking Americans who rely on them. They are totally good with that, naturally. But even worse than these celebrities is their greasy-haired leader, Gavin Newsom, who wants you to know this weather stuff is not normal. We're in the middle of a three-year mega drought in the entire West Coast of the United States. How many segments have you guys been doing on Lake Mead and Powell and the Colorado River and airification of the Western United States and what's happening with land repurposing and the ag community and the economic impacts? I was just doing that a few weeks ago as well. And now there we are talking about historic floods and atmospheric rivers now stacking six with three more on the way. Folks, are you thinking what I'm thinking? Isn't that the same freaking zip-up sweater he wore back in September of last year as he sat in an undisclosed air-conditioned room and lectured his constituents on conserving energy whilst imploring them to shut off their air conditioners and unplug the electric cars he now mandates? Yes, I think so. Flashback, please. Everyone has to do their part to help step up for just a few more days. Individuals, the state, industries, business, all doing their part to help reduce strain on the grid. Californians, you've rallied before, and we can do it again. Keep it up. Yep, same zip up, same hack, same Gavin Newsom. It would be funny if it wasn't so pathetic. Forgive me, but I won't lose a wink of sleep worrying about these filthy rich celebrities or their mega mansions or their luxury sports cars. If Noah can manage, so can you. And those are my final thoughts. Be sure to check out the entire show as well as exclusive content on Outkick.com. From Nashville, God bless and take care.